You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation. The financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Toronto Centre podcast. My name is Bill Cohen. I'm a member of the board of directors of the Toronto Centre, and I'm uh, the former Secretary General of the Basel Committee. I have the uh, privilege of speaking today with an old friend of mine, Tom Dujenski. I've known Tom for going on 20 years. We met in Basel. Tom was appointed by the FDIC to come to Basel to help with the project. Met back then, and we've kept in touch and during his, uh, his long career at the U.S. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, Tom was a senior executive and most recently was uh, the regional director in the Southeast. And this was significant, particularly during the global financial crisis that began in 2008. It was part of the U.S. that was most heavily impacted by the global financial crisis. Tom is also a managing director for a global consulting firm and a senior director Uh, at another consulting firm and is an adjunct professor at the State University of New York. Welcome, Tom. Pleased that you can join me today. Thank you, Bill. Looking forward to it and thank you for that kind introduction. It's a pleasure to be here and I'd like to thank you and the Toronto Centre for allowing me this opportunity to participate today. Tom, what do you see as the biggest challenge in this really unusual environment, it's a challenging environment to begin with, with low interest rates, with uh, fintech competition, but now we've got the pandemic. So from your perspective, what are some of the biggest challenges facing bank regulators? You know, Bill, it's, uh, in, in these times, it continues to be the uncertainty that surrounds the economy and, and the continued impact of, of COVID on the institutions, credit quality, and so on. Uh, that, that's one of the main challenges that are there. Uh, the duration of this pandemic, it's really challenging for the regulators and the supervisors to manage. Also, I'd say from a regulatory standpoint, it's making sure that they have an effective supervisory program in place. For, for example, a lot of the examinations that are being conducted today around the world are being done remotely versus being done on site. There is some on site presence from the individuals that I have talked to in the regulatory environment, but most of it is occurring off site, and that presents some challenges. And, and I just mentioned two more things. One is uh, the communication. In an environment like this where regulators are working off-site, bank personnel are off-site, and given the volume of changes and the potential challenges uh, from the standpoint of uh, working remotely, communication continues to be an area where uh, the regulators need to focus and make sure they're communicating and also from the banks uh, communicating in that regard. And the last point I'll make, Bill, in response to your question would be is that regulators are ensuring that board and management of their supervised institutions are meeting 
the regulatory expectations for operating a bank in a safe and sound manner. Tom, on that last point, I, I kind of smile when I hear meeting regulatory expectations. My my former career as the uh, the Secretary General of the Basel Committee, this this question came up quite often. I think people like you and I know what regulators' expectations are, but the banks, the trade associations, people on the other side of the table would always kind of scratch their head and then say, well, what do you mean by that? So, Tom, what did you mean by that? Yeah, uh, Bill, when I, when I think about regulatory expectations, um, it's, it's really the ability of the supervisors to remind the institutions Uh, particularly in this environment of uncertainty, about what good governance and risk management practices are. Uh, I often refer to a bill as uh, sticking to the basics. And when I say that, I I mean to really, the goal should be to help the supervised institutions navigate this environment of stress and and the challenges they're facing. Um, in, In general, I'd recommend that the supervisors, again, remind their institutions uh, maintaining appropriate levels of capital. That may have changed given the credit quality and some of the other issues that they're facing. Adequate liquidity during a crisis is always a challenge and needs to be monitored to make sure what was adequate liquidity before the event transpired may no longer be the case. One of the fundamentals is good asset quality, ensuring that the institutions do have good asset quality and and that they have a good management team. And and I'd go one step further, Bill, and say that reminding organizations to continue their leadership as far as environmental, social, and governance and leadership in those areas. Yeah, Tom, I I agree. The, uh, The ESG topic is certainly here to say We hear uh, so much about climate risk and transition risk and sustainability reporting. So I I think you're right. But these, you know, you just mentioned capital, liquidity, maintaining uh, good asset quality. There are a lot of things here. What specific areas do you think regulators ought to stress to their banks? Yeah. And Bill, what I would do is encourage the regulators to maybe focus on what I consider some very important areas that that go beyond the capital asset quality. Those would include things like uh, reviewing and revising their strategic plan. Uh, We already mentioned about board and management, you know, assessing the quality of their team. It's really important at this stage of the game that institutions are assessing their international risk and cross-border exposure. And and you know better than anybody the core principles for effective supervision put out by the Basel Committee. You know, they talk about identifying, monitoring, and controlling uh, both country and transfer risk. And that could be a real challenge in this, depending on how different countries and marketplaces have been impacted by COVID. But I'll mention three more things, uh, three more areas that I think are really important for the regulators to stress is to make sure institutions have a good credit culture in place to revisit that in light of uh, the current environment. Uh, There's no question concentration limits need to be reviewed, both from a standpoint of loans, securities, and off-balancing items and funding. What 
might have been in place, Bill, with respect to concentrations uh, as far as policy limits, those should be reviewed and revisited and make sure they're communicated to everybody. And the last area that I would say would be very important would be increased due diligence and oversight of third-party risk. The COVID and the uh, crisis has impacted the individuals and companies that you've been dealing with and the banks have been dealing with as far as uh, their activities also. Yeah, Tom, thanks. I'm going to emphasize something you uh, you mentioned a moment ago, and this is the strategic plan. You, you mentioned the strategic plan. You mentioned uh, culture and a few other things. I can't emphasize enough how important that is. I, I spent most of my career in Basel working on Basel III and trying to find the right calibration or the the right level of the the output floor and things that are, are really important. And the banks realize, the banks know how important they are because that, that's where there's a real financial impact. Do they have to maintain a higher level of capital? Do they have to maintain a higher level of, uh, of liquidity? But what's easy to overlook when there's so much attention on the, those metrics, what's really easy to overlook things as basic and, and just as important, if not more important, like strategy and like culture. How do we get banks as regulators, supervisors, how can you get banks to really focus on that? What's the best way to communicate to supervised banks that the bank really needs to pay more attention to this? The bank really needs to engage more deeply on something like, for example, its strategic plan. Yeah, Bill, one way to get uh, institutions to really focus on it is to share with them the failures that have occurred. And, and based on my experience, uh, being really at the epicenter of the crisis here in the United States uh, as far as the downturn in 2008, I can tell you there's many examples for institutions who have not performed strategic planning properly. If you'd like, I would love to be able to share with you some of the things that they should do with respect to their strategic plan. Yeah, that'd be great. What do you think, Tom? I would say we all know that the strategic plan really lays out you know, the foundation for an organization to move forward. And right now, Bill, too, too many people are busy uh, with the day-to-day operations of their institutions and maybe distracted from this important area. And I'm saying it's always important to do strategic planning, but in light of the current circumstances, there's no question that an organization just should be devoting the resources to strategic planning. I, I would say it's a good opportunity to revisit their goals and objectives. Look at what's now the current operating landscape and look for opportunities and threats that are occurring. I would even get into looking at the specific industries. So if, you know, if, I, if I was to pick two examples of what I mean by that, I mean that the institutions now really need to take a close look at, at the industries and the marketplaces they're dealing with. For example, I'm going to mention CRE and, and the hotel industry. What's, what's CRE? Uh, the commercial real estate market, and as you well know, Bill. For example, we're, we're seeing those with uh, department stores, retail centers, and, and you see it in the headlines uh, across the world. Department stores are significantly impacted, what we call malls or retail centers. A lot of the small businesses have been impacted and uh, are no longer paying rent 
in those locations. And many of the department stores themselves have gone bankrupt and it's impacting their ability, you know, to participate and pay rent and function in certain markets. Uh, the hotel industry, let me shift to that a second. Uh, somebody might come across as an institution saying, well, the hotel industry has been uh, significantly impacted. However, I, I would say that if you were to dig into the hotel industry, you might find that your luxury hotels have been impacted significantly uh, during this last year, year and a half versus the budget hotels. And it might cause you to, uh, through the strategic planning process, to shift your lending programs and, and actually result in some underwriting changes in your organization. Thanks, Tom. How do you, you know, in your career, during your career as an examiner and then uh, as the guy in charge of, a, of an entire district, so how would you respond to banks that, um, let's say you go into a bank and you say, you know, you really need to update, you really need to revise your strategic plan. And, you know, the CEO or the, the board members, they start to roll their eyes because uh, this is something that the FDIC told them that they should do, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, three. I mean, what's the right amount of time? How, how often would you advise banks to review and revise, if necessary, their strategic plan? You know, the way I would approach that is, first off, to answer your question as far as timing, it should be looked at every year. And if there's a significant event that occurs in between, such as the pandemic, I would say that that is time to get your leadership team together and to revisit those areas. And the way I would stress it to them is there are cases of institutions that have appeared as problem banks and failures because their organization did not do proper strategic planning. They did not allocate their resources properly as a result of a crisis or a downturn, and they didn't reprioritize their goals and objectives. And if I could just add one more thing, Bill, on that, oftentimes there's an increase in problem assets. And by going through that strategic process, you need to identify where you want to allocate your resource and whether or not you need to shore up areas. One of the most common areas that gets left behind is loan review. You should have a robust program in place now with proper staffing, not after the problem assets occur, but now so that you can get into risk identification. But the simple answer, Bill, is to share with them the many examples of, in generic terms, banks and institutions that ended up on the problem bank list or failed because they did not do proper strategic plan. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think it's so easy to fall into the trap of you know, having this myopic approach, worrying about the day-to-day -day operations or looking ahead no further than one quarter. And it, um, it, it always makes sense to remind senior management and, and boards that they continuously need to think about uh, the direction in which they're going and, and their strategic plan. Um, I think that's a really important topic, Tom. Th thanks for uh, your views on that. Let me shift gears a little bit. I want to pick up on something you said earlier, and that's you mentioned a review of the board and management qualifications. You also mentioned the Basel Committee core principles of the 29 core principles, there's one specifically on licensing that talks about, uh, you know, in, in Basel Committee parlance, that's fit and proper. 
So what are your views in, in during your, your long career, thinking about the, the fitness and the propriety of the board and senior management, how, how should we think about this? And, and how do regulators get a point across to the bank about the qualifications of the board and management? Bill, that's a very good question. And with respect to assessing the qualifications of board and management, as you go through that strategic planning process that we talked about earlier, one of those things that will become self-evident is, do I have the right expertise for where our organization is heading as a result of this crisis? And, and what expertise do we need? And, and I would say this, self-identification is what I would stress as a regulator to my institution is much better than having the supervisors come in and find weaknesses or shortcomings in the management team. I know it's a sensitive issue, but it's certainly better to self-identify. And that is the way I would sell it to the institutions. So, so in other words, yeah, better to point out your own weaknesses rather than have the, uh, the examiners, the supervisors come in and do it for you. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And Bill, if I may add on that, uh, you know, I say that uh, resoundingly, it's much better and it comes across much better to the regulators when an institution says, hey, look, here's where we are. We're in process of staffing this area. We understand that our backroom operations, loan review, workout staff needs to be increased and we're in process of doing that. But the other advantage of doing that, Bill, is as a result of this crisis and the pandemic, there might be some things that have triggered in succession management and contingency planning that are really become evident uh, to management. And this would be a good time to visit that as part of your review of board and management qualifications. Something else, uh, I, I like these, you know, these, these topics about you know, assessing board and management qualifications encouraging the board and management to look at the uh, strategic plan on a regular basis. Something else you mentioned, Tom, credit culture. You know, I, I chaired a group when I was in Basel that revised the Basel Committee's corporate governance guidance for banks. And th this was a really interesting discussion. First of all, as a supervisor trying to make an assessment of culture and then comparing culture across uh, a range of banks, and uh, there are some organizations around the world. I, I think of the Dutch. They do a fantastic job at you know, trying to assess culture. How about you, Tom? From your perspective, what are your views on, on trying to make an assessment of credit culture within an organization? You know, Bill, the credit culture of an organization and looking through some of the stuff that you have done from the Basel Committee and so on, it really starts at the top of the organization. Uh, there is no question, and the quality of the team that an organization has in place, you know, whether or not an organization has good underwriting in place, and, and they're adapting that underwriting uh, for the changes that are occurring in the marketplace, not, not just that, but we've had two really important things happen. I mean, they're obvious, but they deserve repeating. That is, we've had a downturn in the economy, which has impacted lending. And I'm not sure the full extent of the problems have been realized yet because of various government assistance programs, et cetera. 
but also we have a lot of people in financial institutions working in a remote environment. And as a result of that, it's really important how an institution communicates and make sure that its people are understanding the risk appetite and the culture of the organization. And that may have changed pre-crisis to now. There's no question in the organization the risk appetite has changed in various marketplaces and various areas. And there's no changes, tweaks in the training program need to be done. What was taken for granted, Bill, in an organization prior to the crisis, as far as their training program, for example. Well, if I'm a regulator, I'm going to look at the credit card. I'm going to look at the training program. Have they adapted it uh, so that people are uh, being reinforced on what the policy changes are, these new government programs, any new regulations, and any new lending areas that you have? And you have to adapt the bank's training programs in order to maintain that strong credit culture. Thanks, Tom. You know, I said earlier, we're in a, an unusually challenging environment for banks. And of course, if the environment is challenging for banks, it's equally challenging for bank supervisors. So there's, um, as, as the, the world hopefully very soon comes out of this pandemic, then we'll really start to see the effects on economies, on local economies, and on banks. Tom, we're almost out of time. I'm going to give you the last word. Give us some closing thoughts, please. I'll give you three uh, last thoughts, I would say, that uh, are important. First off, I can't stress enough the importance of uh, reminding the institution to review their credit culture and their risk appetite and to perform good strategic planning. The second point I have is uh, I would tell institutions, please take a look at the partnerships that you have. What I mean by that, make sure you're participating in peer group analysis, looking for uh, best practices amongst institutions that, that, that are your peers. The benefits to that I hear time and time again really help organizations uh, move forward. Take advantage of your trade association and professional organizations as far as the training. And uh, I would say uh, don't forget to communicate with your regulators. Nobody likes surprises. And during a crisis, that goes both ways. The regulators should be communicating what their expectations are, and the bank should be uh, communicating with regulators any issues or concerns they have. And the very last thing I would say, uh, from a regulatory standpoint, I'd be um, encouraging my banks to start preparing again for on-site examinations, getting their contacts in order. And, and from a regulatory standpoint, I may have changed some expectations or formatting of things of uh, what's required um, on examination. I would, I would really encourage my institutions to start preparing and communicating with the regulators to prepare for those on-site examinations. Excellent, Tom. Thank you very much for your time today. It's always good to speak with you. I appreciate it, Tom. We'll, uh, we'll talk again. Bill, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Bye.